Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into Fizz Radio with Thomas Schultz alongside with Brad Klein here in Syracuse. Brad, pretty big game coming up on Friday night at 940 against San Diego State. And look, I know everybody remembers the Aztecs from last year. They were going to be a two seed. It's going to be a little bit of a different team this year, but this is still a really sharp-shooting San Diego State team. It's still a really good defensive team going up against Syracuse. There's a lot of similarities to Virginia in my eyes, Brad, but I I don't know. I I think this is a really strong sixth seed and and a tough draw for the Orange as well in these Aztecs. It's going to be a tough game. Well, I'll tell you what, Thomas, you hit the nail on the head when you said a similar draw than to Virginia. And a lot of people are going to be listening to this and saying, what are you, you're going to compare Virginia to San Diego State? And yeah, we are, because San Diego State plays a very similar pack line defense to Virginia. So inadvertently, it seems like Syracuse might have actually prepared for the Aztecs. So that's your, your takeaway is that Syracuse is ready. They're prepared for this one. Yes and no. I think that in terms of in terms of the X's and O's, neither team is going to be fooled. And I'm going to tell you why San Diego State won't be fooled by Syracuse later in the show. But there are no there are not many secrets here. You know, San Diego State, like you alluded to, they were supposed to be a two seed last year, largely because of Malachi Flynn, who gets drafted late in the first round to Toronto. But San Diego State loses a couple of other starters. They lose their defensive leader. And so the Aztecs pretty much all year have been trying to play catch-up in a way and and trying to refine their identity. And I think they kind of have at this point. This is a team that's starting to peak at the right time. Defensively, they've found their groove in that pack line. And now they're starting to shoot well. Offensively, They were pretty mediocre at best to start, and now they're borderline elite, and that's what happens when your shooters are making shots. Brad, you mentioned you're going to talk about Malachi Flynn a little bit later in the show. We've got a lot coming up. Talking about the zone, the vaunted zone, and a potential NCAA tournament run. How could the 2-3 zone do this year? Marek Dolzhai said, hey, we're starting to get in our groove on defense. Then later on, who's going to step up besides Buddy Beheim? And of course, we'll finish with Fizz feedback, but... Brad, you, you mentioned, look, this is a team that's kind of found its groove this year. They're relying on Matt Mitchell instead of Malachi Flynn. Mitchell's a forward, and he's kind of one of their three sharpshooters from distance. He's shooting 36%, which you think, oh, that's really good. That's kind of around where Buddy Beheim is this year. That's the third best of this trio. Jordan Shackle, the best. He's shooting almost 47% from distance. Then Terrell Gomez, their point guard, shooting almost 42%. So for Syracuse, look, you're going to have to slow down this team on offense because they're going to take a lot of shots from deep. They're going to hit a lot of shots from deep. And so if you're the forwards, if you're Quincy Garrier, you're Robert Braswell, you're Alan Griffin, you're going to have to step out a little bit. Of course, the top of the zone is going to step out. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. Brad, what I want to focus on is the flip side of the court. This is a really, really strong San Diego State defense. Ken Palm ranks them 11th in adjusted defensive efficiency. So they're actually the best defense that Syracuse has played. I think it's going to be tough for the Syracuse team to really score on the Aztecs because, look, we mentioned Virginia. Are we going to compare them to Virginia? Yeah, we are because their defense is actually better than the Hoos this year. 
it's that's the side of the court that I think Syracuse really needs to focus on going into this game. Yeah, I get it. And a lot of people might, again, be wondering, well, how good can this defense really be? This is a Mountain West team. Syracuse has spent the entire year against the ACC. Well, guess what? That's part of what makes San Diego State dangerous, is that this is a team that, even though they're borderline elite the past couple of years, they were supposed to be a two-seed, this year they're 23-4 and in Mountain West champions, they think that people are going to be taking them for granted and that Syracuse won't be respecting them. And we're going to find out very early in this game if that was actually the case or not. But whether it is or isn't, San Diego State is fueled by that. They've won a bunch of games in a row. They haven't lost since January 16th on the road against Utah State, which is a tournament team, who's a tournament team. So that's important too. And the defensive intensity, the defensive efficiency comes with that brand and that mantra of, hey, we were under-recruited, we are underappreciated, and we're going to show you. Thomas Schultz joined alongside with Brad Klein here on Fizz Radio. And Brad, you mentioned this is a really, really hot team coming down to the stretch, which, let's be honest, most tournament teams are at this point, but they really don't have many bad losses. They lost to Utah State twice. They squeak into March Madness. They lose to Colorado State. And, I mean, there's not a ton of bad games, and, then, and BYU lost at the beginning of the season, but... If you can score 70 points on the Aztecs, you have a 2-2 two and two chance of beating them. They've only allowed 70 points or more twice this season. The most that they've allowed to any team is 72 points to BYU on December 18th. So, I mean, Syracuse, of course, look, these guys can put, on, put down threes in a hurry. It's just tough to do, very tough to do against this Aztec team because they're kind of lanky. They're really good at getting out and contesting shots for El Gomez. He's only five foot nine, but he's still a pretty solid defender for everything speaking. It, it's going to be difficult for Syracuse, and I, I think you are a little bit more optimistic than I am. I think this is, look, a good Syracuse team, but they're running into, in my mind, the best six seed in the NCAA tournament this year. Am I missing something here, Brad, or am I, I think I'm spot on, honestly, but no, look, I think you are missing something, zone. Thomas. I'll tell you what you're missing is that you're forgetting how good Syracuse has been the past couple of games. You know, this is a, a team that probably should have won against Virginia. Had it not been for a buzzer beater against a guy that hadn't scored in the game, Syracuse was going to overtime with one of, if not the best team in the ACC, and whether Virginia has a number one next to their name or a number four next to their name, it's still a big deal. So Syracuse can compete with anyone if they're making their shots, and San Diego State is no exception. Is it a tough draw? Yeah. Is San Diego State really, really good? Yeah. And are they underrated nationally because they come from the Mountain West? Absolutely. But Buddy Beheim is coming off the best two-game scoring streak of his career. Quincy Garrier is an NBA player. Alan Griffin can be an NBA player when he wants to be. So if Syracuse makes their shots, they're going to win this game. And I know that sounds silly, but I really think that that's what this game boils down to. You could talk about Terrell Gomez. You could talk about Jordan Shackle. You could talk about the pack line defense. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to will the Orange make their shots? Because San Diego State, you're right, they're a good defensive team and they'll contest Syracuse. But the Orange have the length. The Orange have the athleticism. So in theory, those mid-range jumpers from Buddy Bayheim, they'll be somewhat contested. He's not going to be completely open. He's not going to be socially distanced on the free throw line. But he's going to be able to rise over his defender. And if the shot goes in, Syracuse is going to win the game.
Brad, I think I'm usually the pessimist between the two of us, but for some good news for Syracuse fans, look, they just scored 69 against Virginia. They usually don't do that well against the pack line defense. If there's a team to prepare them for San Diego State, it would be Tony Bennett's Cavaliers. And I think you do touch on some good points there, is that this is a team that is playing its best basketball of all year. Now, is San Diego State probably... Yeah, they probably are as well. And a lot of these teams are at this point. That's why you're in March Madness. But I think, look, Syracuse is probably better suited. They probably have more experience playing a San Diego State and what they bring to the table than San Diego State does playing a 2-3 zone, right? Like, there's nothing like the Syracuse zone, and we've seen that time and time again in March Madness. And I just think the San Diego State team... I don't know. They're really, really good. And that's where I draw the line because this is where I get caught up with Syracuse is every year I kind of look at the matchups and I say, well, that other team's better than the Orange. But then the 2-3 zone messes with their head. They, they don't know where to go on offense. And sometimes it works out in Syracuse's favor. In this game, I think you're right. It does come down to Syracuse being able to make its own shots. It also comes down to Syracuse being able to get out and defend those guys like Jordan Shackle. Matt Mitchell, Terrell Gomez, because if those guys get hot, look, they can go tit for tat with Buddy Beheim all game long, and I don't think Syracuse can match up with three of those guys when maybe they just have Buddy or maybe Alan Griffin decides to join him and have a game on his own. Yeah, I agree with you that San Diego State's three-point shooting could be a concern for Syracuse, but Overall, the three-point defense has actually been pretty good at times for Syracuse. I understand there have been some games where it really hasn't been, but if you get Kadari Richmond at the top of the zone, then all of a sudden, the three-point defense gets a lot better. And if that's what Syracuse has to do in terms of matchup, then that's what they'll do. It's not a coincidence that Kadari Richmond was playing probably more minutes than Joe Girard and uh, against Virginia certainly more than he did against NC State in that first game of the ACC tournament because it was a matchup thing and if we're comparing Virginia or rather San Diego State to Virginia I'd expect Richmond to be on the floor on both ends of the floor so that means that in terms of three-point defense Syracuse is safer than I think you're making them out to be yeah you bring up some good points there. Look, uh, like it has been all season long, or at least the back half of the season, it's going to really depend on how well Joe Girard does on the offensive end. If he can score, he's going to play. If he can't, Kadari Richmond is going to be the guy, and he's probably better suited to be playing in this game against San Diego State and against those three sharpshooters because Syracuse, they're going to need his length at the top of that 2-3 zone. And Brad, we're going to get into the top of that 2-3 zone. The rest of that zone, how does it match up with the Aztecs? Can it lead Syracuse on another NCAA tournament run? Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back into Fizz Radio. Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And we've got a lot to get to in this show. Besides the zone, which we're about to get into, we're going to get into a little bit of who's going to step up outside of Buddy Beheim, Alan Griffin, Quincy Garrier, who's it going to be? Then, of course, finish with your favorite fizz feedback but Brad right now we got to get into this 2-3 zone debate because look every NCAA tournament you hear people say whether it's in Syracuse or nationally say I don't know man that 2-3 zone you never know what you're going to get year in and year out it could throw some teams off their game it could fluster some opponents you don't really know what's going to happen the San Diego State team we were talking about it it seems like As far as ways to attack the zone, they're pretty well situated in that regard with their three-point shooters. It it seems like Matt Mitchell, 
Gomez and Shackler are going to be the guys that they really highlight. Those are their top three scores as it is. So no matter who they're playing, they're probably highlighting those teams, but especially against the two, three zone, seems like that's the way that they're going to attack. And if you're Syracuse, you got to expand that zone and those forwards really have to step out and be more of a defensive presence than we've seen them be at times throughout the season. Yeah, and I get that. And look, we both agree that Syracuse's 2-3 zone could be a problem. And even this year, it could be a problem for a lot of teams. San Diego State is not one of those teams. Because, yeah, their three-point shooting is really good, and everyone knows that their three-point that three point shooting is a very good way to beat the zone, to shoot over it. But San Diego State, Thomas, has inadvertently been preparing for Syracuse all year. I was talking with Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union-Tribune, uh, is a beat writer for the Aztecs, and he said that early in the season they played Air Force, right? And Air Force is just terrible, okay? But they're, they're a zone team, so they prepared for the zone. They have like 20 plays, 20 sets to run against a zone, and they killed it, right? And they scored like 50 points, 50-plus points in the first half, and they ended up just not running their zone sets in the second because why bother why expose yourself so after that they just assumed that eventually someone was going to play them zone again but they didn't so they were practicing for a zone all year waiting for another team like Nevada play zone sometimes they didn't even go zone against San Diego State so they were just waiting for a team to go zone against them and they didn't And so in practice, every day in practice, the Aztecs were running zone offense and never actually saw it in a game. So in a way, the Aztecs are more prepared than any other team for the zone. So I see this playing out two different ways, Brad. On one hand, sure, they're as prepared as any team for the zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they blow Syracuse out of the water because they're just great three-point shooters. They're just tremendous. They've been practicing for it all year, and they're just going to crush the orange. That's one way that this happens. The other thing that I could see happening is the classic, all right, great. You've prepared for a zone all season long. Tremendous. What you haven't been preparing for is a Syracuse Jim Beheim fashioned 2-3 zone, which, look, we've, yep. he- we've heard these teams before say, yeah, we know what we're doing with the zone. Then come tournament time, they just get blasted because they can't run a cohesive offensive set against the Orange. And maybe, I mean, look, we don't know until it's game time and we see what actually happens, but that is good for San Diego State's sake that you've been running against this zone defense in practice. What happens when you actually take the floor and play this different lengthy? Yeah, and I get that. I get that, Thomas. And that's for San Diego State fans listening. First of all, thanks for visiting the Fizz. Welcome. But for (laughs) San Diego State fans listening, I I can see how that would be a concern. Like, yeah, I can see uh, what Brad's saying. We're kind of prepared. But Thomas is saying that we haven't played a zone like Syracuse's, which is absolutely true. But, and I agree with that. All I'm saying is, relatively speaking, San Diego State is very prepared because most teams don't have the luxury of saying, yeah, we've been working on zone offense all year. Most teams don't do that. Most teams don't have to do that. San Diego State didn't have to do that. They thought they had to do it. And so now they're in that weird situation. There's also the other weird wrinkle of Matt Mitchell being oddly familiar with the 2-3 zone. He grew up a Syracuse fan, actually aspired to be Carmelo Anthony, right? So he watched Syracuse as a child. He grew up watching that 2-3 zone. 
And he said, yeah, if I had to, I could explain to you the intricacies of the zone and the rotations and who helps where and what does what. So it seems like San Diego State, more so than most teams would be for the first round against Syracuse in the NCAA tournament, is prepared. Again, it's going to be different. It's more difficult on the court than it is on the blackboard, that's for sure. But San Diego State is not going to be fooled. No, I mean, that makes sense. And look, any team outside of the ACC, you're never you're never going to play a team like Syracuse. You're never going to play a zone like Jim Beheim's 2-3 zone. And, and I know this comparison is an apples to orange because, Brad, you mentioned Air Force. They're terrible this year. But in San Diego State's two back-to-back wins over Air Force, they hit 13 threes, 13 for 29 the first game. Then they went 16 of 30 in the second game. They dropped 98 points on Air Force. Game one, 91 in game two. So that's got to be a little little disheartening if you're a Syracuse fan saying, all right, well, look, obviously we're not Air Force. You're a little bit better than Air Force. One of you is in the tournament. One of you is in the ACC. But still, this is a team that's very well positioned, not just because they've been practicing a 2-3 zone, but because they're positioned with these shooters to knock down these open shots. And they've got some of the best guys to shoot in the country, a couple of guys well over 40%. Matt Mitchell, a very solid 36% shooter from behind the arc. This is a dangerous opponent for the 2-3 zone. And, Brad, I think this is a prime scenario where you say, if you're Jim Beheim, all right, we're going to run with Kadari Richmond, Robert Braswell. That's what's worked down the stretch. That's our best defensive set. Yeah. Uh, there are different options that Syracuse has to make the zone a little, a little longer, a little bit more difficult. And a little smarter. And Robert Braswell is is a guy that has shown uh, somewhat of a better awareness uh, for where he has to be defensively than other wings. Like Alan Griffin sometimes still has growing pains. It's hard, too, because explosiveness is is a strength of his, especially on the defensive end. As long as it's channeled well, you know, and, and he makes some big defensive plays and he also makes some big defensive mistakes. So, Bayheim's going to have to find that balance. Also, you mentioned Robert Braswell. If he's not shooting well, can you really sacrifice the all-around three-level scoring threat of Alan Griffin? That's a question that's going to be answered very early. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And it'll be interesting to see what happens if Joe Girard comes in, if Kadari Richmond comes in, Braswell versus Griffin. Can Griffin rebound? Because, look, at this point in the year, that's great that you can give this 15 or 20 at any point in time, but if you're giving us nothing, if you're Jim Beheim towards Alan Griffin, then it doesn't matter. If Robert Braswell is going to get playing time in that instance. Brad, another thing I want to ask you about and touch on is let's say that Syracuse does pull off the quote-unquote upset in 11-6, so it would be an upset. They move on to the second round. Is this a team that's shaped in your mind for a tournament run? Because I think, honestly, you beat San Diego State. West Virginia might be an easier matchup if you're Syracuse. I know they're a three seed, but they're a pretty weak three seed, and I don't see Syracuse advancing past the Sweet 16, but I think this team is positioned to be able to make a couple of tournament runs, a couple of tournament games, and make it to the Sweet 16 and and advance to that second round and third round. Yeah, I'm with you. I would never rule it out. and We both agree that San Diego State's a pretty tough draw. Your eyes go to West Virginia, no offense to the Moorhead State fans listening there, but bottom line is West Virginia, outside of their size, 
do they really have much to offer? And is size really enough to beat the 2-3 zone? You still have to know where to go and where to rotate and where to find your spots. And it's not overly complicated, but I just wonder if the 2-3 zone is going to stifle them. I think it might. So, again, even with the size mismatch of West Virginia versus Syracuse, and the way the Orange are shooting, I would take Syracuse over West Virginia there. I would. Yeah, I think it is, in my opinion, a little bit of an easier matchup for Syracuse. It is at least for the 2-3 zone, and obviously West Virginia has that size advantage. We've seen that hurt Syracuse in the past. Look no further than North Carolina, but then you see them rebound in that second matchup, take down the heels. So with the way Buddy Beheim's shooting, with the way that Syracuse's defense is starting to round into shape, it seems like there is an avenue to make it to the Sweet 16 if you're the Orange. Of course, that first stop is knocking off San Diego State. It'll be interesting to see how that zone really progresses. Is Kadari Richmond going to be the guy? Is it going to be Robert Braswell on the wing? Quincy Garrier has said throughout the season, look, we know we need to be better defensively on the wings. We've been working on that. And it seems like step by step, a little bit of progress has been made in that regard. Brad, I still think this is going to be a game where Syracuse, it's going to be low scoring. I think Syracuse still is going to give up eight or nine threes. San Diego State's going to get their point. But we'll see what happens going forward. What's going to be interesting is on the offensive side, what happens, who steps up besides Buddy Bayheim? We'll get into all of that coming up right after the break. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back into Fizz Radio, Thomas Schultz alongside Brad Klein. And Brad, we talked a little bit earlier. Buddy Behind, he's been on fire, but Syracuse to defeat San Diego State, to advance and maybe go on a bit of a run in the NCAA tournament, they need somebody else to step up. It can't just be all on Buddy's shoulders, even though he kind of did that for a little stretch and it was working for a while, but once you run into Virginia, it just, they were too good. It was too good of a team. My guy to step up against San Diego State is Quincy Carrier. This is a team that isn't the biggest team. Now, you have to worry about forward Nathan Mensah for the Aztecs. He's a guy who's kind of a threat in the paint there. He's blocking almost 10% of shots down there, so you got to watch out for him. But Quincy Carrier is going up against a team that's, frankly, pretty small, and he's so used to going up, to these big t- going up against big teams like the UNCs of the world the bigger teams in the ACC, this seems like a matchup where he can really thrive and maybe not dominate, but play off of Buddy Bayheim and be that secondary scorer that Syracuse has been looking for consistently. Yeah, it's interesting because it's it's hard to disagree with you. I, I, the way I feel is that Syracuse needs someone to step up. If it's Garrier, then it's Garrier. And if it's someone else, I have Alan Griffin, then then it's Alan Griffin. But Quincy Garrier is six foot seven. I wouldn't consider him big, but he plays big. So for a team that is not big, like San Diego State, like you alluded to, Quincy Garrier as the guy to step up and exploit that matchup seems like almost a weird choice. Again, if he steps up and he he could, it's very possible, then it's good for Syracuse and the Orange can't be, beggars can't be choosers. But I just think it's a weird choice. To me, it's Alan Griffin because we saw what Syracuse was able to do against Virginia, lose by three at the buzzer. And the incredible thing to me was that they did it essentially without Alan Griffin. 12 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, three points. Can you imagine what would have happened if Syracuse got their normal version of Alan Griffin? 
they would have been winners. Yeah, they, they, they would have won. They would have won handedly. Maybe they would have gone, you know, to the ECC tournament final because at that point they're playing who? They're playing Georgia Tech, assuming COVID's not a problem. Who knows from that point? So uh, there are so many different possibilities, and Syracuse probably isn't an 11. They're probably a 10, right? So there are different ways that you can look at that. But Alan Griffin did not show up. He laid an egg against Virginia, and the Orange were still competitive. So if he can step up, it's a different team. Well, and here's my thing about Alan Griffin is throughout the season, he's had these games where he scored 22 points like he did against Clemson, 26 like he did against Georgia Tech. But he's also had games where he's had five against Notre Dame, four against UNC, three against Virginia. Like, yes, he is the probably second most talented guy on this roster behind Quincy Garrier, and the athleticism's all there. Like, Buddy Beheim, Joe Gerard, Marek Dolge, I have nothing on Alan Griffin's athleticism. I just don't think he's reliable. And, like, I know this is a debate somewhat where of, all right, well, if you could prefer who you'd like to step up, that's great. I also just think Quincy Garrett may just be the guy who is the most logical or the guy that you can depend on more. Now, he, he doesn't have the upside maybe that Alan Griffin does. He's not going to give you 25, which Alan Griffin can do, probably not against the Aztecs. That's a bit extreme, but he could give you 20 against them. If you get 15 and 8, 15 and 9 from Quincy Garrier with two or three blocks, maybe a steal, tack on a couple of assists. That's enough, along with Buddy Bayheim, to easily win this game over San Diego State and advance to the next round, maybe play West Virginia, which is a tougher matchup, but that's plenty for the first round matchup. I agree with you that Garrier just has to perform pretty well. He doesn't have to have the best game of his life to give Syracuse a very realistic chance to win this game. But I'm going to go back to what you kind of alluded to with Alan Griffin is that he has more upside, and that's why he's my guy that needs to step up. He's a three-level scorer, and I love Quincy Garrier to death. I'm one of the biggest Garrier fans out there. But bottom line is he's not one of those guys that can drive, that can shoot the mid-range, and shoot the three at a consistent rate. I know he can technically do all of them, and the three You're not buying in on those threes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I love Quincy Garrier. I think he's going to be a halfway decent three-point shooter in the league because he's going to work on it. Bottom line is, in one of, if not the, no, the biggest game of the year, went 0 for 3 from range against Virginia, right? And again, he had a pretty good game, 14 points, 10 rebounds. He had an assist in there, he had two steals, so and performing elsewhere a little bit too. But he had no threes, and that's fine. You're not a three-point shooter, and that's fine. Syracuse doesn't need him to be a three-point shooter. Alan Griffin could be, when he gets hot especially. And if he gets hot in tandem with Bundy Bayheim, look out. Yeah, that's the thing. We just haven't seen much in tandem this year. Now, Buddy Bayheim has this thing, and he's kind of worked on this a little bit, where he gets really, really hot one half, and then the second half, eh, he's still okay. Now, he's improved on that, where he's a little bit more consistent throughout the season, but it's not one of these things where it's Griffin and Bayheim going back and forth, splashing threes or anything like that, and that's more of an Alan Griffin indictment, obviously, than it is a Buddy Bayheim thing. But, I, look, you're right, Brad, that... Alan Griffin has maybe the second highest ceiling per game on this team outside of Buddy Beheim, just downing points because he can give you 25. And Quincy Garrier just can't at this point. He, he's not a guy that's capable of doing that. 
Maybe he can give you 20. He hasn't shown that he could do that since January. He's really tapered off a bit. It's just, I think really what this is, is more of a, there's a couple of different ways to win if you're Syracuse, right? You can win if Griffin gives you a really solid game. You can win if Garrier gives you 15 and 9. There are opportunities, and this is a Syracuse team that, unlike we've seen in years past, that has these different molds and these different methods of winning that there's all an assortment of guys that can step up. You just don't really know who it's going to be. But Quincy Garrier, there's not as much of a need, not as much of just he has to give you 20. He can do all these other things, kind of in a mold of Marek Dolajai to really help this team win. Yeah, I agree with you. And again, like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, is that I'm not opposed to Quincy Guerrier being that guy to step up. Bottom line is that Syracuse needs someone to step up. But if I'm going to call someone out, it's going to be Alan Griffin after he laid an absolute egg against Virginia. It's almost to the point where Guerrier has only had a couple of bad games. Didn't have a great game against Virginia, like I mentioned, but... You know, there's almost so there's only so much you can ask of Gary A, and I know you're not asking that much of him, you know. Perform pretty well, fifteen and eight, give me two blocks, and put Syracuse in a position to win the game. I get it. The other thing is, I feel like both of them have been liabilities on defense, and if nothing else, we mentioned this earlier in the show, San Diego State's a good three point shooting team. You have to be strong wing defenders, and that's both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right there. That's the biggest issue for both of those guys going forward. It comes back to the 2-3 zone. And I think Jim Beheim's going to say, look, Alan Griffin, it's great if you can give me 10 to 12 points. If you're giving up three after three on the defensive end, you're getting pulled for Robert Braswell. And that's Quincy Gary is probably in a bit of a similar boat. I think his position's a little bit more secure. His defense hasn't been as lackadaisical at times as Griffin. But look, both of those guys need to improve on their defense. Brett, I think my biggest thing with Alan Griffin is, yeah, he can give you these 20-point performances. I don't know if he and Buddy Beheim can do that together on the same game because when Alan Griffin does go off in games against, like, Georgia Tech, for example, Buddy Beheim's only had 12. When Alan Griffin had 22 against Clemson, Buddy Beheim had 17, so a good game, but 6-15 to 15 shooting. We haven't seen throughout the year that these two guys can have great performances at the same time. It's definitely concerning. The other thing is Syracuse. A lot of a lot of people forget about how deep Syracuse is, and we were talking about that so much at the beginning of the season. But there are so many different ways that you can get a big performance, and it sounds weird to say this because it's been so long. But Joe Girard could just play well against San Diego State. That that could happen, and he could go off for like twenty, right? So there are different ways that Syracuse can get that burst. I mean, Gerard hasn't had a 20-point game since January 19th, which is also coincidentally around the last time that San Diego State lost. But he could. It could happen. We've seen it been done, and Gerard has a nose for the big game. So we'll see. There are a lot of different ways that Syracuse can help Buddy Beheim. Bottom line is we both agree it's going to have to be someone, Gary A., Griffin, maybe it's Gerard. Someone has to put up at least 15 in unison with Buddy Beheim, who, which was pretty much the common denominator in the segment, Buddy Beheim has to have a good game. And if he doesn't, then Syracuse is in trouble. Right. Even Marek Dolajai has shown his propensity for big time moments and tournament runs in years past and big games. And 
just to go on something you said, Brad, look, Joe Girard, if there's ever a matchup to have a big game, Terrell Gomez is only five foot eight. So that's a guy where, yeah, that's a possibility. But when we come back, we're going to get into your favorite segment, our favorite segment, breaking down everything that's going to happen on Friday at 940 on Fizz Feedback. Stick with us. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Welcome back into our final segment here on Fizz Radio. Thomas Schultz joined alongside by Brad Klein. Brad, big game on the horizon. What's our first Fizz Feedback for today? All right, straight up. Fizz Feedback. Fizz Nation, what do you think? Will Syracuse beat San Diego State? Don't be a homer, okay, Fizz Nation? Yes or no? Thomas, before I reveal the results, what do you think Fizz Nation said? Oh, oh, I'll tell you what I think Fizz Nation said, and then I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I'm sure Fizz Nation said probably like a two-thirds margin, three-fourths margin. Syracuse is going to win this game. Syracuse is going to advance to the round of 32. They're going to play West Virginia. Then Fizz Nation, we put out the same poll, is going to say, you know what, they're going to smoke the the Mountaineers. They're going to advance to the Sweet 16. (laughs) They're going to go on a roll, beat Illinois, beat Houston, and just trounce to the Final Four. Now, here's what I think is going to happen here, Brad. I don't know. I mean, like, I am kind of on the fence here because as we've been talking, I've leaned a little bit more towards Syracuse. I still think San Diego State is just too good of a team. They're just too strong. They have too many options. Syracuse can't shut down all those guys. There's a lot of unpredictability on the orange roster. I think it's going to be close. I think if Syracuse can make that 70-point threshold, they win. I just don't see that happening. It's going to be 65-61 San Diego State. Ouch. Bad way to end the season. Yeah. By the way, you were pretty spot on on your prediction for Fizz Feedback. 71.1% wow. of Fizz Nation Split has a yes. So your guess was two-thirds to 75%. Is that right? Yeah, it was. That's pretty good. All right. I yeah. I tend to agree with Fizz Nation here in a small way. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to give Syracuse the edge uh, for a few reasons here. One of them just being... Buddy Bayheim is shooting really well, and if there's a blueprint to winning in March, it'd shoot the ball well, which seems a little weird to say against San Diego State, but Syracuse's 2-3 zone could be a problem even for the Aztecs, so I'm going with Syracuse and a pretty narrow win as well. There you go, our second Fizz feedback here, and our final one too. Who will be most important in the round of 64 for Syracuse? Buddy Bayheim, Quinty Guerrier, Alan Griffin, or the point guards, Kadari Richmond or Joe Girard. I'll just reveal the results right now. It's Buddy Bayheim, 41% yeah. of the vote. A close second, though, well, somewhat close second. Second and third, Alan Griffin at 25%, Quincy Guerrier at 20%. So there you go. Actually, pretty, uh, pretty close results to what you and I were talking about, about how, okay, it's pretty much established that Bayheim has to have a good game. After that, who's going to step up? 25% say Allen, 20% say Quincy. So Fizz Nation kind of agrees with me, just putting it out there. Oh, wow, wow. Throwing that out there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, look, there's a couple of different things here. Like, I think some voters might say, well, Buddy Bayheim, obviously, he's the guy who has to step up. But I don't know if 20 points from Buddy is stepping up or if that's just... You expect 20 points from Buddy Beheim at this point in the season. He had 27 and 31 in the past two games. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but you expect a big-time performance from him. 
So obviously he's going to be the most valuable player for the Syracuse team. He's going to be the guy that they need to perform well every single game. But he obviously, as we saw in the Virginia game, can't do it all by himself. And that kind of leads back to the question of, well, is it Quincy Garrier? Is it Alan Griffin? We also didn't talk about the point guards, Brett. And I think that's something that's really important because point guards got 14% of the vote here. I think that's kind of a position that you can't overlook because, look, you said it earlier, Brad, if Joe Girard gives you 15, you probably win this game. Now, is he going to do that? Probably not. Terrell Gomez is kind of a sneaky defender, even though he's only five foot eight. He is a senior in college basketball in the Mountain West. San Diego State with that pack line defense, like, that's not a slouch there at that point guard position on defense. But also... Kadari Richmond could be a really big factor in shutting down him or Jordan Shackle on the defensive end as well. So really interesting. I think probably Buddy, then Quincy, like I said earlier, but that point guard could be sneaky there as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the point guards, in a way, are the most important because you need production out of the point guard position. That's for sure. Who's it going to come from? I think it's Kadari just based on the matchup, but if Joe's hot, then Joe's hot, and that's... That's just what Syracuse is going to have to do. Beheim's not going to be choosy on his lineup card. If Joe Girard is hot, he's going to sacrifice some defense because a hot Joe Girard is pretty much unmatched. Yeah, and you're right. I think, look, Brad, I don't know. Do you think Joe Girard can have a big game? Because I know he can. It just, this doesn't seem like an opportunity to do so to me. Yeah, I, I can see how the concern is there. I really think that matchup hardly matters for Gerard because he's one of those no, 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 yes, yes, yes shooters, right, where he takes some shots that you don't think are going in until they do. So if he has one of those days, uh, almost like Trevor Cooney in the tournament, then you never know, and it could totally happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying shooters shoot, and shooters are going to continue to shoot when they're making their shots. So... If Joe's making his shots, then look out, because it doesn't really matter where he's taking it from, which defense he's going up against, or who else is on the floor with him. If Joe Girard is making his shots, then Syracuse is going to win this game. Very simple. Shoot or shoot. Sometimes they hit. Sometimes they miss. But, Brad, March is the time of unpredictability. We'll see what happens when Syracuse faces San Diego State on Friday at 9.40 p.m., a little bit of a late tip-off for the Orange, and they're going to play in Indianapolis Hinkle Fieldhouse. So a lot to look forward to if you're a Syracuse fan. And you can check out all of our content on orangefizz.net where we have articles, we have our podcast, Fizz Radio, Fizzcast. You can also find us on Twitter at orangefizz. We'll we'll have all your pregame content. We have a guy actually in Indianapolis, Matt Bonaparte, is in Indy for us right now. You can check out everything that he's doing, and we'll have all your coverage during the game, after the game, and whatever happens after that. Thanks for tuning into Fizz Radio. We'll see you next time.